Amen. Remain standing. Take your Bibles. Turn over to the book of Proverbs, please. Chapter number 22. Proverbs chapter number 22. It's good to see several first-time guests here at Calvary Baptist Church tonight. Thank you so much for being here. I saw some coming in after the service started. Got a family over here on vacation from Ohio. Good to have you all here with us. Amen. And uh, we always are glad to see new faces and new people. And hope the service is a blessing to you. If you didn't get a welcome packet when you came in, we want to make sure you got one. There's all kind of information in there we'd like for you to have before you leave. See one of our ushers if you didn't get one when you came in. Proverbs chapter 22, we're going to look at verse number 3. The Bible says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil, and hideth himself, but the simple pass on, and are punished. Chapter 27, chapter 27 of Proverbs, just over a couple pages. Look at what it says in verse 12. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. When God says something once, we ought to sit up and pay attention. When he says it twice, we really ought to sit up and pay attention. Twice in this book we find this exact same verse. And I used this verse. God gave me a brand new message last week preaching down at that marriage and a family conference at Brother Tharps in South Carolina. And I really didn't plan on ever preaching it here. God gave me that for that hour. But the more I looked at it today, I thought, I'm going to have to preach that one tonight. And so uh, this is uh, one I preached last week at a family conference. And so I hope that it will be a blessing to you tonight. It's got an unusual title. We'll explain the title momentarily, all right? But I want to preach on this thought tonight. Check engine light. Check engine light, all right? It'll make sense in just a few minutes, I promise. Lord, help us tonight as we look into your word and open it up to us, open our understanding in our hearts, and may something be said tonight, Lord, to find a lodging place in the hearts of your people. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. As I mentioned last week, I had the uh, tremendous opportunity, my wife and I, to go down and preach uh, and teach. Well, she didn't preach. She taught, to la- taught the ladies. I taught the men. Uh, but I kind of preached slash taught. Uh, I had pre- teaching gear for a few minutes and then kick into preaching gear. That's how it is. Uh, but uh, what we're focusing on the marriage and the home and the family and child training and all that good stuff. And the Lord gave us just a, a wide variety of messages. I was able to preach six times while I was down there. And this one was one of them that the Lord let me take it and apply it to the home and the family, which I plan to do tonight to some extent, but it doesn't have to be just that. It actually could just be straight across the board, a very good verse for us as Christians to underline in our Bible. There's three things that I want us to look at tonight if you want to take down notes. First of all, I want us to notice in this verse the reality of evil. The reality of evil. The Bible says, a prudent man foreseeth the evil. The evil. This is a, a reality. It's not a hypothetical. It's not a matter of if you will ever encounter evil. It's just a matter of when. The truth is, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 6, talks about the armor of God, putting on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day. In the evil day. He calls it the evil day. And I believe we would all agree that we are living in the evil day. 
And I do believe it will get worse over time. It's going to get increasingly worse. The hearts of men will wax wax cold and, and the world things are going to just deteriorate. Perilous times are here and it's going to get worse before it's over with. But I believe we can honestly say that we are living in the evil day. Jesus taught his disciples when you pray, pray after this manner. He gave them a list of things to pray and to say and things to focus on. And one of the statements in that model prayer was deliver us from evil. That's something that you and I ought to have on our hearts and our minds each and every day, understanding that we need God's help to deliver us from evil. Um, Actually, I was looking at several verses. Ephesians 5, 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. There are several places in the Bible that talks about the fact that we are surrounded by evil. But I'm going to be honest with you. We're not just surrounded by evil. We have evil in us. I'm thinking about our hearts. Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our hearts are deceitful above all things. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, and I I had meant to write these verses down and I didn't. I've got to use my my, my, uh, my memory, uh, but even though we have, a, we have an evil heart, we have evil minds. Romans chapter number eight, verse number uh, seven, because the carnal mind is enmity with God. Carnal mind is enmity with God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And I preached on that a little bit several weeks ago, so I won't repeat all of that. But we have uh, a, a heart that has a tendency to be evil. We have a mind that is leaning towards, and naturally and carnally, when we're not spirit-filled, leaning toward that which is evil. Then you get over to James chapter number 3. He talked about the tongue. He said in verse number 8, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. Full of deadly poison. So we've got evil in our mind. We've got evil in our hearts. We've got evil in our tongue. We've got evil all around us. Can I get a witness? The, recog- uh, the, the reality of evil, it is all around us. It's on, it's on the, the radio waves. It's on the television. Uh, the, the, the boob tube, as they used to call it when I was growing up. Uh, my daddy threw the TV out of the house in 76. We didn't have TV growing up. And uh, back then, it really wasn't nowhere near as bad as it is now. But every now and then, if we're in a motel somewhere, we'll turn the TV on and flip through the channels and I look at my wife and say, now that's why we don't have a television. The commercials are absolutely unbelievable. Especially this month with the rainbow and the, and the sodomite crowd and all, their, uh, all of their propaganda and all of their wickedness splattered all over everything. You can't hardly, can't hardly breathe anymore. We went to a restaurant. My wife and I went to a restaurant. I may have told this Sunday. I don't remember if I did or not, but if I did, just stop me. I've preached so much in the last week, I don't remember what I said where. But we went to a restaurant. She pulled up. Uh, we was going to eat a, a breakfast. I wanted a nice breakfast somewhere different. It was a Cracker Barrel literally across the street from our hotel. I said, I can get Cracker Barrel anytime. Let's go somewhere different. We're down here in Charleston. Let's go find somewhere nice. Let's go find somewhere exotic, something different, you know. And so we punched it in on the GPS. It looked nice on the, on the website. And we drove 20, 25 minutes across Charleston. And I said, well, it's right up here on the left. And right as we got there, there was, I mean, covering the door was a big old rainbow flag. And my wife and I at the same time said, well, there goes that. I ain't walking through that. I ain't wading through that to eat, a, eat an omelet. I'll go somewhere else. 
We had to pull over and start all over trying to find somewhere to eat. And, 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 and all I'm saying is it's just the, the, the agenda, the world agenda and the philosophies and, and all the, the, the propaganda, it's just, it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. It's on, it's on your televisions, it's on your computer, it's on your phones, it's on your, it's on your iPads, it's on your laptops, it's everywhere. Y'all remember I preached several years ago about the prodigal son. The Bible says he went to a far country Wasted his righteous, his righteous living, wasted his substance on, on harlots. And I preached a message on far countries, not that far. You can be in a far country in about 30 seconds with the technology we got today. Amen. Come on now. Social media. Uh, a podcast. Uh, I mean, it's just everywhere. And look, see kids sitting around with their little, uh, their little earbuds in and they're listening to their music and 99.999% of the time it ain't fit to listen to. The lyrics and the, and the, the people singing it and the lifestyles that they, that they live, it's just wicked. And all I'm saying is there's evil and wickedness all around us. It's a, it's a reality. And if you don't understand that, you got your head in the sand. You'll encounter evil with your colleagues. You'll encounter evil at your family reunion. Anybody in here had that happen at the family reunion? You just went down to see ain't so-and-so and uncle so-and-so and you left and you felt like you needed to go take a shower. And all the profanity and the filth and the ungodliness and the worldliness and the nastiness and, and all the things in it. And, and they made you feel like you were the one that was weird. And all you're doing is just trying your best to live for God, it's all you're doing. And even then you don't, you don't feel like you're doing a very good job of it. And then you go somewhere and they call you a holy roller. You don't know whether to get mad or get excited about that. Praise the Lord, I must be doing something right. They think I'm living holy, amen. I was beating myself up before I came here. And now they about made my day calling me a holy roller. It's bad when even on your most carnal day, you're, 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 you're righteous compared to that crowd. Bible talked about Noah being perfect in his generation. Right. Come on now. Yeah. What am I saying? I'm saying evil's all around us. The reality of evil. And you have to understand that. Before you walk out your door in the morning, you better understand what you're fixing to walk into. Right. Right. That's why you better spend some time on your knees praying. Get in that book. Put your armor on. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Walk in the spirit so that you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We see the reality of evil. But then secondly, in this verse, we see the recognition of evil. A prudent man foreseeth the evil, foreseeth the evil. There's a recognition of evil. Uh, the difference between the prudent man and the simple is their ability to recognize evil. By the way, the word prudent in these two verses that we just looked at, 22.3 and Proverbs 27.12, the word prudent means subtle shrewd, crafty, sly. There's almost a, almost a, it's not a negative. Obviously it's not a negative, but we would look at it today as almost a negative because it's the opposite of being oblivious. It's the opposite of being blind or ignorant or as the Bible uses a good King James word, simple. You see that word used often, simple. 
And we use the word simple in a variety of ways. I'm just a simple man. It means I don't, I'm not, I don't have to have a whole lot of fancy stuff and I'm, I'm easy to please. And, and uh, one of the things I was trying to get these couples when I was down there last week, I was trying to help our married couples. I was trying to give them some advice. And I said, I believe I can speak on behalf of all the men in this room when I say this. Ladies, when your husband offers to take you out to eat and ask you where you want to go, tell him. Right. Just tell him. When he says, honey, where would you like to eat? Don't say, oh, I don't know. It don't matter to me. I don't care. Because it does. It does matter. You do care. And the reason I know that is because the guy says, well, then why don't we just go down to Mission Barbecue? No, I don't want to go down to Mission Barbecue. I had a barbecue last week. Well, then let's, let's go over to, let's go to the Italian restaurant. Let's go to the Italian. No, we had, we had spaghetti three weeks ago. Remember on Thursday we had spaghetti three weeks ago. Let's don't go. And he's like, well, where do you want to go? Well, it don't matter to me wherever you want to go. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you, ladies, the men honestly don't care. We would be happy with a hot dog from 7-Eleven. We don't care. It could even be one of those hot dogs that's been in those rotisserie machines so long it looks like a prune. It, we don't care. We don't care, Home Depot, it don't matter. Hey, we'd rather just go home and not eat than to argue about it, all right? We're simple that way, we don't care. Your husband will have a heart attack if he says, where would you like to eat? You know what I'd like to eat? And you name the restaurant and already know what you're gonna order when you get there. He'd go, oh, Elizabeth, this is a big one. <laughs> but that word simple in this verse is not used that way. That word simple in this verse literally is the opposite it's the opposite of prudent. It means a person that is subtle, shrewd, crafty. And we see the word foreseeth here is an important word. It means you're looking ahead. Not, not in denial that there is evil lurking in your world, in your home, in your family, and around you. 1 Peter 5, 8 says it like this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So the devil is seeking, he's searching, he's on the prowl. He's not just meandering down the street, all right, playing on his cell phone. He has an agenda. The devil has a, a, very, a very focused agenda. And if you and I are not equally focused in the soberness and the vigilance, we will become a casualty. All right, that's what it's talking about in this verse. It's God's will for his children not to be identified with the simple crowd. In fact, in Proverbs, the chapter starts out in chapter number one of Proverbs. This is Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. I'm in chapter one, verse two, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of instruction, or understanding rather, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. And here it is, Proverbs 1, 4, to give subtlety to the simple. Subtlety. Where did we see that word subtle? First time it's mentioned is talking about the serpent in Genesis 3, I believe. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And God said, I want to give subtlety to my children so they will not be simple. They need to be sharp, shrewd, perceptive. Come on now. We have a saying down south, we'd say, we'd say, I like that guy right there. He's pretty swift. Swift. That's a variation of swift, which is a variation of smart. Yeah, it's like three levels away. Swift. He's pretty swift. Sharp. Sharp. 
the kind of person that can finish your sentences for you. Huh? When you're working on a construction job and you grab, go over there and grab one end of a 16 foot two by 10, he goes and grabs the other end without having to be told. When you pull your tape out of your tape uh, your, your pouch and you take the dumb end of that tape and you throw it out there like that, he grabs it. Where you want me to, where you want me to hold it? What you want me to hook it on? He's watching and knowing. You're going to pick up your skill saw. He's over there making sure it's plugged in. You go to cut on a board, he's on the other end of the board holding it for you. He's swift, sharp, perceptive, subtle. Yeah. That's the kind of people you like to pick, pick on. Just to kind of make sure they don't get too big for their britches. Send them out to the van to go get the sky hook. Yeah. Or the concrete stretcher. Some of y'all's like, really? Is this a thing as a concrete stretcher? No. And they finally figure that out 30 minutes after they dug through the, they come back, what's it look like? It's like, are you still looking for that thing? I was wondering where you were. But sharp, I mean, that's this, this word sharp, this subtle, this shrewd, that's what the word prudent here means. God gave his children. God wants his children. He equipped us to have the ability to discern. And guess what Hebrews says? Hebrews 5, 14, strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Know the difference. Know the difference. The recognition of evil. All right, now we're getting down to where I wanted to focus on for just a little bit. This crazy title. Y'all, what in the world's this title got to do with anything? God built us and made us with ways to know something wrong was going on. Very similar to your vehicle with a check engine light. All right? So if you're driving down the road and that little, that little orange, little ladies, that little clip art, that little emoji <laughs> pops up on your dash and you go home, you say, honey, I think there's something wrong with the car. He would say, why? And you say, well, because I've been studying mechanics and I've been studying tearing apart transmissions and engines and, and I can tell when, 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 when the pistons aren't sounding right and your husband's going like, what? You know, no, I'm just kidding. There's a check engine light. Check engine light. I know there's something wrong with the car because there's a check engine light. All right, that, 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 was, that was invented for people that don't know how to work on cars, but they want to own one and drive one. And it tells you something's wrong. Can I, can I tell you something? God made us as Christians with something similar. It's better, but similar to a check engine light. All right, the Holy Spirit of God will speak to you talk to you, communicate to you, and tell you when something is wrong, when evil is around, when evil is lurking. Here's the problem, though, many times. We're not prudent enough to recognize it before it happens. It's good enough to give you check engine lights in your personal life. I'm going to give you three subpoints. Just write this down. Good enough to give you check engine lights in your personal life. The Holy Spirit of God will speak to you and it's not audible. It's a lot louder than that. The Holy Spirit will lean over and say something in your ear when you're doing something, kind of like this right here. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. What are, you, 
What are you doing? Right. Don't do that. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. Or don't even think about it. Yeah. Huh? Has the Holy Ghost ever said that to you? Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Walking through the store with your kids and you're trying to train your children not to, not to touch everything in the store. And you say, we're walking on what you can, you can look, but you can't touch. You see them walk over to something and you see them look at it for about two seconds. And I, I'm right behind them. I don't even think about it. They hadn't even touched it yet, but they're thinking about it. Don't think about it. The Holy Ghost will do that to you. The Holy Spirit of God will throw up little check engine lights and say, hey, something bad could happen. You better watch it. He'll speak. He'll rebuke. He will guide. He will enlighten. He will remind. These are all the ministries of the Holy Spirit in your personal life. You won't have to have somebody with a Bible college degree to tell you that your spirituality is suffering. You will know it if you're prudent. Now, if you're simple, you won't. But if you're prudent, you'll know something's not right. Something's not firing on all eight cylinders. Check engine lights in your personal life. There'll be check engine lights in your, in your partnership, your marriage. Now, you don't have to be married very long to know when something's wrong in your marriage. Okay? There's check engine lights. I had a guy one time, one time said to me, I picked him up at work. My wife and I picked him up at work and dropped him off at the house and him and his wife were supposed to go eat with us. And here's what he said to me. He said, hang on just a second. And he went and he came and got back in the car. He said, let's go. I said, uh, your wife's not going? He said, nope. I said, what in the world? He said, don't worry about it. We're just going to go eat without her. I said, is it us? Did we do something? Did we offend her? He said, No. That's just the way she is. I come home from work. I throw my hat in the house. If it comes flying back out the door, I just go to Walmart. I said, why don't you go in there and find out what the problem is and fix it? You ain't going to fix it at Walmart. They got a bunch of stuff down there, but they can't fix your marriage. If your wife's throwing your hat out the door, something's wrong. Hey, hello, Tokyo. Check engine light. You don't have to have a rocket scientist degree to know when your wife or your husband, something's off in your marriage. When there's icicles hanging off the ceiling, that's your first clue. Right, yeah, come on now. This ain't a marriage retreat, but I just thought I'd touch on it since I was there. You know something's wrong. In your parenting, number three, check engine lights in your parenting. If you're a prudent parent, you'll know something's wrong with your kids. You'll know something's wrong. You can see it in their eyes. You can hear it in their voice. You can see it in their, in their, in their countenance. You can see it in their attitude. Check engine light. Something, something's not right. Something's not right. Brings me to my third point tonight, the response to evil. You got the reality. You got the recognition. But then you got the response. There's two responses in this verse. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Letter A, here's your first option. Ignore it and be punished. That word punished in that verse literally means to pay the fine. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to turn a blind eye to the evil. Right. Is everybody still with me? When, when the Holy Spirit of God brings 
uh, something to your remembrance or something to your mind, a warning or a reminder or after the fact, a rebuke. How many times after the fact did the Holy Spirit of God say, what in the world were you thinking? And you said that and you did that. That's a check engine light. That's a built-in mechanism made by the manufacturer to let you know you need to stop and take care of some business. That's what that punishment means there, to pay the fine, to be condemned. It literally means you will pay the price and it will cost you. Ignoring the warning signs will cost you. That's why the Bible calls it the simple. They pass on. The, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and he taketh, he taketh proper corrective measures. The simple also apparently either see it or hear to know about it, but they pass on. They, they're oblivious. And they fall right in the trap. They fall right in the hole. Big old sign, bridge out. Just keep driving. Drive off in the, in the river. That's exactly what we see in these verses. Problems of an evil nature do not fix themselves. Well, if I just leave it alone, it'll fix itself. You let me know how that works out for you. There's a lot of people have that idea about a check engine light. Well, it'll go off after a while. Yeah, when the bulb burns out. Or you've got some people that just gets tired of looking at it. They take a little piece of black electrical tape and put it right over that check engine light. Oh, there, that looks a whole lot better. You didn't fix it. You're, you're sitting on a time bomb. Not only do we see your option A is to ignore it and be punished. Second one is to investigate it and be protected. Take a second and look into it. The simple, the, the prudent man foreseeth the evil. When your check engine light comes on, you have several options. You can either ignore it or you can say, hey, I wonder what this is about. Take a look under the hood. You say, I don't know what I'm looking at. I know, but it makes you look responsible. Pop the hood, raise the hood, look under the hood. What's going on here? I don't, know I don't know what I'm looking at. Well, at least you're trying. We're going somewhere with this. Hang on a minute. There have been times when I was sitting in church and the preacher was preaching and the Holy Spirit of God was wearing me out and I just want to get down to the altar where I could pop the hood and say, Lord, could you help me fix this? There's something wrong with me. Something wrong with the way I'm thinking, right? the way I'm responding, the way I'm reacting, the way, the way I'm talking, the way I'm doing. I, I, got, I got issues. Come on now. I need to find a spiritual jiffy lube. Come on now. That's why I like going to church so much. I don't know about you, but I need to tune up about every time I come in here. I need to tune up. Exactly. Spiritually, I'm talking about. Take a look under the hood. Check your oil. If a check engine light comes on, it might just be need to check your oil. The stories I could tell about trying to get our young boys in our church in South Carolina here too, about being responsible and, and taking care of things. But a boy, I had a boy down at a church I pastored in South Carolina. He was trying to be all super responsible. And he, he told his mom, said, I'm going to fix the car. And he did. He fixed it. Put four quarts of oil in the radiator. <laughs> yes, sir, buddy. <laughs> Give him some credit. He at least wanted to help. Come on now. You know what I found out, though? 
That, that when a check engine light comes on, sometimes it just might mean you be a little bit low on your oil. That's about a four or five minute fix. That won't take just a second. That's right. You can put some oil in there and, 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 and be good to go. Or you can ignore it and it just keeps running lower and lower and lower to one day you're driving down the road and you blow your engine up. And then you're on the phone calling the tow truck and you got all this expense and all this headache and all you had to do was take five minutes three months ago when the check engine light came on to put a little oil, a little TLC. Do you know how many times I have sat in my office and done marriage counseling with people that it's just about beyond repair. Check engine lights have been dinging and flashing on their marriage panel for two years and they never said a word. Now all of a sudden, the house is burnt completely down. It's laying there in a pile of smoldering ashes and now they want to call the fire department. Fire department shows up, got a truck full of water and can't do nothing but stand there and cry with you. It's too late. It's too late. What happened? Simple. Saw the evil, passed on, and now they're paying the price. Come on now. Check your tires. Tires get a little bit, get a little bit low. Just stop somewhere and get some air. Otherwise, you're going to blow your tire out, run off the road and kill somebody. All you got to do is take five minutes to put some air in the tire. All I'm saying is uh, the, 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 the wise person, the prudent person, when they get these warning signs, they take, a, they pause and they begin to investigate and try to find out what it is that's wrong so that I can fix it. And I said this last week and I'm going to say it to you. It's your car. If you don't care about your own car, enough to stop and fix it and maintain it, it's your marriage. It's not mine, it's yours. We have people come in and sit in our office and I want and do marriage counseling and my wife and I want their marriage to, to turn out more than they do. That, that, it don't work like that. Can you imagine me having to call you every week and say, hey, if you checked your oil in your car? I don't. Imagine that. Your car, check your engine, check, check, your, check your oil, check your tires. If you don't, you ain't gonna be able to go to work. Check your car, You're, run out there and check on your... I don't do that to people. But for some reason or another, it's my job to do it about their marriage. It's your marriage. Those are your children. If you don't mind your family being splintered and busted up and having schisms and divisions and empty chairs at Thanksgiving, that's up to you. I'm just telling you, there's going to be warning signs. There's going to be check engine lights. It's up to you to be prudent and foresee the evil and do something about it before it's too late. And once you find out what's wrong, then you have two options. This is real deep. Stay with me. Number one, you can fix it yourself if you can. You can fix it yourself. Sometimes you can fix it yourself. Sometimes you don't have to call a mechanic. I was thinking about the example Brother Caleb gave today. This is a perfect, perfect illustration for my message tonight. His wife called and said, Cars messed up. Couldn't get it out of park. Well, that's a problem. I mean, I'm not a mechanic, but that's a problem. You want to go somewhere and you can't get your car out of park, that's a problem. So they started investigating, started looking in the owner's manual, and they went on YouTube and punched in the year model of their car and, and, and the year the, and all this, and, and they found a guy on there that had had the same problem. 
Same problem. He spent hundreds of dollars paying a mechanic. Turns out all it was was you take the cover off of your gear shifter and there was a little bitty broken piece of black plastic about the size of the end of a Q-tip sitting right in that channel where that, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't go into another gear. Reach in there, pull it out, put the cover back on, car works fine. What about that? What am I saying? I'm saying sometimes if it's your marriage, sometimes if it's your children, sometimes if it's your relationship with God, if you'll, if you'll catch it early enough, it might just be something little that you need to fix. Don't throw the car away. Don't call a tow truck. Just show some initiative. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Hideth himself. Initiative. Maybe you need to stop being the victim. Start owning it. And make it a priority. So your options when you find out what's wrong is fix it yourself if you can. Number two, find somebody that knows how and ask them to help you. I told you this was deep, didn't I? There are certain things I can do on my truck if it, if, if it needs to be done. I can do it myself. Now, back in the day, before these vehicles, Brother George got so complicated, all these computers, we used to do a whole bunch of stuff on our cars. We don't now, but we used to. When I was a teenager, I used to change my own brake pads. I dropped transmission, changed transmission out of my car. I used to change my, my, my oil. I used to change my distributor, change my change. I used to do all that stuff. I used to enjoy it. Working on my car. Now, you can't get your hand down in there. It's all so tight and it's all so computerized. There's only a few things I can do, but I can tell you what I'm not doing. I'm not driving around in a vehicle with my check engine lights on. If I can't fix it, I will take it to a shop or a mechanic or find somebody that knows more about it than I do and say, would you please help me? You know what? That's missing in our churches. Pastor Schiffel, I'm struggling in this area. Can I talk to you? Absolutely. Amen. Let's fix this. Let's find out what the problem is. And let's fix this. Pastor Schiffel, I, I, I'm a little bit embarrassed, but my wife and I, we're having some marital issues. Hey, that's wonderful. Thanks for telling me. Let's come on in here and let's sit down and, 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 and let's, let's fix it before you're filling out the divorce papers. Pastor, my kids are not responding to me. They're not following my leadership. I don't have their heart. Can we, can we sit down with you and Miss Grace maybe? And I'm not even telling you that we have all the answers. But I'm telling you one thing. I will take my truck somewhere before I will mess it up. I will take it and let somebody else that's supposed to be better at it than I am look at it. And I hate, I hate to ask somebody to do something for me. Our air conditioner in our house just wasn't cooling like it's supposed to. And my wife, she, I think she's got a built-in thermostat in her, in, her, in her mind. She can say, it's 74 degrees up here in our bedroom, and it's 74 degrees. 74 degrees. Bencher's in the basement saying, it's 62 down here. I got snotsicles running out of my nose. It's not working right. That, the air, air conditioner's not balanced. We got three floors. Something's not right. She said, we need to do something. I called an HVAC man. I need you to check our system. Something's not right. He walked around, checked a bunch of stuff. About an hour later, he said, you're, you're low on Freon? About a pound low on Freon? Well, that, that, that's a big deal. Charge your system. Done, done some other things. And boy, it's working great now. 
All I'm saying is this, that maybe, maybe you need to be concerned enough about your spiritual walk with God. Maybe you ought to be concerned enough about your marriage, concerned enough about your children. Maybe you ought to be concerned enough about things to go find somebody to help you before it gets too late. You say, well, it's, it's embarrassing. I don't know how many times somebody said that to me, my wife and I. It's embarrassing for us to walk in here and tell you we're struggling in our marriage. I said, is it, is it as embarrassing as getting divorced? Is it embarrassing as paying alimony for the next 15 years? Come on. Everybody struggles with things. The fact that you care enough to address it before it gets out of hand shows extreme prudence, wisdom. A lot more I can say, but I'm out of time tonight. I wonder, with heads bowed and eyes closed, Sister Hannah's coming to the piano. As we stand to our feet tonight, I wonder, would there be maybe somebody in the building that would say, Lord, I want to be that prudent person that looks ahead and sees trouble coming and takes evasive measures, sees the the evil that is trying to destroy my life, my family, my home. I'm not going to have the mindset of that simple just pass on, act like it's not happening. Ignore it till it gets completely out of control. Folks are in the altar. There's room for more. Would you come tonight? Would you just slip out of your seat? Would you come to the altar? God's been good enough to give you little signs, little, little admonitions. Maybe it's in a Sunday school lesson. Maybe it's in a message. Maybe it's in your Bible reading. Maybe it's going down the road and the Holy Spirit speaks to you because that's what the Holy Spirit does. I wonder tonight, would you be that prudent man, that prudent woman, that young person that would say, you know what, I'm going to take that warning. And I'm going to let that warning right there save me from a lot of heartache. I don't want to be punished. I don't want to pay the price. Folks are praying. There may be somebody here tonight say, Pastor Shefflin, I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I hope I would go to heaven. I think I would, but I don't know for sure that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. If Jesus came back right now, I'm not sure that I would be raptured out with the church. I might be left behind, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you be honest enough tonight to slip your hand up so I can see a preacher pray for me? I'm not sure. I'm a born-again child of God tonight. I'm not sure. Pray for me. Anybody, anywhere, anybody? Preacher, pray for me. There's a number on the screen if you're watching on the live stream. There's a phone number. Would you text that number? 